Hello everyone, welcome to Fact Check It, a podcast where you get to ask questions and we get verified experts around the world to share the facts. My name is Ben McNeil and I'm your host. Today is our Metafact Review Edition. It's where we go much deeper to review a topic chosen by our members. So Metafact is 100% funded by our individual members and we thank all of them. If you'd like to become a member and support us while receiving exclusive member-only benefits, you can learn more at metafact.io slash memberships. This edition is all about human intelligence. We gathered more than 30 of the world's top researchers and experts in neuroscience and psychology to share the facts about human intelligence. From IQ tests to the old nature versus nurture debate to whether brain games actually help, this review gives you the latest science you need to know. So let's get straight into it. In 2014, the famous podcaster Joe Rogan posted a YouTube video where he discussed his experience taking a, quote, brain supplement called Alpha Brain. My ability to form sentences seemed smoother, he claimed. It seemed like I had an extra gear, like I was one step ahead in conversations. It's 100% legit, he said. But is it 100% legit? Fire up a YouTube channel or a podcast and it's not uncommon to hear all sorts of host-read advertisements for brain pills that claim to boost performance or increase intelligence. Peruse your smartphone's app store. You'll find a host of apps claiming they'll train your brain to be smarter. Humans are fascinated by intelligence. We venerate the geniuses in our society while attaching pejorative terms like moron and idiot and nincompoop to those we perceive as less intelligent. We all want to become smarter and more knowledgeable, but is it possible to increase your intelligence? How much is it determined by genetics? Does intelligence decline with age? And what about the more nebulous concept of emotional intelligence? Does it really exist? Those are just some of the questions we're answering in this month's Metafact Review. Humans have attempted to gauge each other's intelligence going back hundreds of years. One of the first people to research intelligence was Englishman Sir Francis Galton in the 1800s. He set up a lab to measure noblemen's physical characteristics, testing their reaction time and other sensory attributes. Galton pioneered quantitative approaches to measuring intelligence and actually coined the phrase nature versus nurture way back in 1874 a topic that continues to spark immense debate today. Charles Spearman, an English psychologist, noticed that students' grades were similar across a range of different subjects. In 1904, he proposed the concept of general intelligence, in which each of us have a single underlying, quote, factor for mental and cognitive abilities that could be measured. Meanwhile, William Stern, a German psychologist, came up with the idea of taking someone's intelligence and comparing it to the average intelligence of people of the same age. He called this the intelligence quotient, or IQ. At around this same time, psychologists Alfred Binet and Theodore Simon were developing intelligence tests for children. And by the 1920s, these tests had become standardized, and soon IQ tests were considered a reliable way to measure a person's intelligence. But even from the very beginning, psychologists considered IQ tests to be heavily flawed. That included Stern, the very person who coined the term. Under all conditions, human beings are and remain the centers of their own psychological life and their own worth, Stern wrote in 1933. In other words, they remain persons, even when they are studied and treated from an external perspective with respect to others' goals, he said. 
1987, psychologist Raymond Cattell published a book that challenged the prevailing idea that there was an underlying single factor defining general intelligence. He suggested intelligence to be split between structured learning and creative learning, sometimes known as crystallized intelligence and fluid intelligence. Fluid intelligence is the ability to use reasoning to solve new problems without reference to pre-existing knowledge. Crystallized intelligence is the ability to use knowledge previously acquired through education and experience. Matter of fact, experts refer to these terms often, so it's important to understand what they mean first. The consensus. Are IQ scores a good predictor of general intelligence? Ever since the IQ test was invented, people have debated how good it is at actually determining a person's intelligence. Critics have pointed out that a person's socioeconomic status and other environmental factors can strongly influence their IQ score, leaving one to wonder whether it truly measures innate intelligence. Matter of fact, experts largely agree that IQ is a good predictor of general intelligence, but there are plenty of caveats. The real problem is that general intelligence, as it is traditionally been defined, is not so general, wrote Robert Sternberg, an expert from Cornell University. It doesn't take into account creative intelligence, practical intelligence, or common sense, emotional intelligence, social intelligence, or wise uses of intelligence. Sternberg went on to criticize our over-reliance on standardized testing as a proxy of potential, arguing that these tests do not measure our skills in solving important life problems. Whether you think IQ scores predicts intelligence will rely largely on what you think qualifies as intelligence. It's reasonable to expect that more intelligent individuals will obtain more education, achieve better grades, have higher incomes, be healthier, happier, attain higher social status, be less likely to develop a drug addiction, and be generally more effective in their chosen occupations, writes Louis Matzel, an expert from Rutgers University. So the question is, does an IQ test that is administered to a young child predict these later life outcomes that we believe are indicative of intelligence? The answer to this question is an overwhelming yes. IQ tests have enormous predictive capacity, writes Matzel. The consensus is intelligence nature or nurture? As mentioned, it's been shown that environmental factors do play a role in determining a person's IQ. And yet we also widely perceive intelligence as something a person is born with. So what role do genes play in determining a person's intelligence? And how much is it affected by outside real-world factors like family income, education, and upbringing? Matter of fact, experts unanimously agree that intelligence is heavily influenced by genetics and hereditary but only to a certain extent. There's a tremendous amount of empirical research clearly showing that intelligence is hereditary, writes Dimitri van der Linden, an expert from Erasmus University. The estimates range from somewhere between 50 to 80% and are likely closer towards the latter, he writes. He and others pointed to twin and adoption studies, uh, the latter showing that parents are more likely to have similar IQs to their biological children compared to children they've actually adopted. Genetic influence on intelligence actually increases with age. Children adopted at very young ages resemble their adoptive parents in terms of IQ tests when they are children, i.e. age 5 and younger, writes psychologist Nicholas Graham from Indiana University. But as they grow older, they increasingly resemble their biological parents. By the time these children are 16 or so, about 70 to 80% of the differences among individuals can be chalked up to their biological parents' genes, rather than the environment they were raised, he says. 
Despite the importance of genes, they aren't determinative, writes Louis Matzel from Rutgers, as they interact with the environment to determine the ultimate level of expression, he says. Small genetic dispositions can be switched on or off in diverse nurturing environments. This is why estimates of the heritability of intelligence, as might be obtained from studies of twins, are higher in diverse environments where vast cognitive opportunities exist and are lower in restricted environments where individuals can't select cognitive challenges that are appropriate for their abilities. So while intelligence is highly heritable, the pure role of genes is probably much lower than these estimates would, would suggest, Dr. Matzel writes. Vittorio Daniel, an expert from University Magna Gracia, also points out the interplay between genes and the environment aren't mutually exclusive, since, quote, gene expression depends on an environment. It is recognized, for example, that extreme poverty and deprivation in infancy negatively impact an individual's cognitive abilities. He writes, Consensus. Is intelligence fixed? So if intelligence is subject to environmental factors, does that mean there are actual ways to alter it? Scour YouTube and the dietary supplement aisles of your local pharmacy and you'll find all sorts of products and exercises that will supposedly boost your brain activity and IQ. But can the average person take steps to actually improve their own intelligence? Intelligence is definitely not fixed, writes Andreas Demetrio, an expert from University of Nicosia. In the general population, intelligence increased by about three IQ points in every decade over the last 20th century, a phenomenon known as the Flynn effect. Also, intelligence increases by about two to four IQ points for every additional school year, he writes. The reason for this is that the brain itself is very flexible. The brain is neuroplastic and keeps changing, argued Gavin Brown, an expert from the University of Auckland. Stimulus from environments which requires flexibility and processing keeps the brain active, forming new paths, he writes. That being said, training exercises focused on boosting intelligence haven't produced many long-term benefits, at least in controlled studies. Under some controlled lab conditions, various types of cognitive training can have beneficial effects on IQ. But even in these cases, the effects are small and sometimes non-existent and always appear to dissipate upon completion of training, writes Louis Matzel from Rutgers. David Piffer pointed to several meta-analyses showing that intelligence training doesn't work. It's only possible to boost specific cognitive ability that are similar to the trained task, he writes. Of course, the biggest boost to intelligence often comes from formal education, which could be considered a form of training. Studies have been shown that more schooling is causally related to increases in intelligence, writes Robert Sternberg, an expert from Cornell University. This makes sense, as schools, at least reasonably good ones, exercise one's mind and one's brain. Consensus. Is there a correlation between grades and intelligence? Given the role education can play in boosting intelligence, does that mean grades are a good indicator of intelligence? To a certain extent, yes. The 2007 paper by Dreary et al. examining the relationship between academic grades and measured intelligence amongst a sample of 70,000 Scottish secondary students reports a really strong correlation of 0.81, writes Michael O'Connell, an expert from University College Dublin. So overall, there is consistent evidence of a moderate to strong correlation between academic grades and measured intelligence. That's not to say there aren't caveats and exceptions, particularly correlation does not mean causation, 
but culture, learning disabilities, and even gender may play a role in predicting academic grades in various settings on one hand, writes Lihu Zeisberg, an expert from Gordon College, while on the other, intelligence measures are deeply biased by the very same factors. Other Metafact experts were more skeptical of the relationship between grades and intelligence. The relation between intelligence and grades is only probabilistic, and it depends on many other influences like social status, income, race, and stereotypes, writes Heinex Sigler, an expert from Mask University. If you cannot spend a lot of time studying, or if study is not valued in your family, you obviously wouldn't have good grades. On the one hand, grades are also dependent on many other traits, like your motivation, conscientiousness, etc. Even if you are not really smart, with a huge motivation, you can learn a lot and be an excellent student, writes Sigler. Gavin Brown from the University of Auckland put it in even simpler terms. Smart kids do dumb things, whether it's drugs, don't attend, don't try, etc. Consensus. Do brain games work? Fire up your smartphone's app store and you'll find any number of brain training games that claim to make you smarter. But is there any scientific evidence that they actually work? Not really. Meta-analytic reviews of the empirical literature indicate either tiny or absent gains, writes Nashon Miron, an expert from Ben-Gurion University of the Negev. In my opinion, given what we know, it is unfair or worse to promise otherwise, he writes. To a certain extent, these games do train your brain, but this doesn't mean they make you smarter in any sense of the word. On the whole, we find that these games only improve the task you're training on. They don't yield general benefits, writes Michael Thomas, an expert from Burbeck, University of London. The same can be said for these games' abilities to stave off dementia in old age. I find dementia severity and dementia risk to be specifically related to Delta, an aspect of general intelligence, or G, writes Donald Royal, an expert from University of Texas Health Science Center at San Antonio. Domain-specific cognitive performance is unrelated to G and that Delta function. While training may improve domain-specific cognitive performance, it is unlikely to be having effects on intelligence unless it generalizes to all cognitive domains. We're far short of that, he writes. Consensus. Does IQ decrease with age? There are a lot of fears associated with getting older. Chief among them is cognitive decline. Is it a rule of nature that intelligence will decline as you age? Our Metafact experts were torn on this subject. Partly this had to do with the fact that it's hard to create a controlled apples-to-apples comparison between age group IQs. For example, younger people today are much more likely to go to college, which has been shown to boost IQ, so you can't just compare the intelligence of a group of 30-year-olds to a group of 70-year-olds. Alan S. Kaufman, an expert from Yale University, conducted experiments that controlled for these factors, and he found declines in crystallized intelligence and fluid intelligence. Here's his findings. So for crystallized intelligence, the peak IQ was around from ages 35 to 44 at 101 IQ. But then after that, it drops off to 88 IQ points when you're 75 years or older. The peak of fluid intelligence or creativity is around the ages of 20 to 24. And it slowly drops off until you reach about 40 when there's a serious drop off declining to about 72 IQ points uh, when you're 75, which is a nearly 30% drop from when you're 20. Other experts argue that aging alone isn't what causes intelligence decline. An important characteristic of genetics and early life factors is that they don't tend to change as we age, writes Ian Silver, an expert from University of Cincinnati. As such, if approximately 77 to 79% of intelligence is influenced by factors that don't change as we age, it is unlikely for our level of intelligence to decrease as we age. 
Negative environmental stimuli, for example head trauma, can result in declines in general intelligence. The influence of these factors can correlate with age, but aging alone does not influence intelligence. Michael Thomas, an expert from Burbeck University of London, argued that there's a, there are trade-offs to getting older, with some forms of intelligence improving while others decline. The fastest response times you'll ever have are in your mid-twenties. But as long as you don't develop dementia, your knowledge of vocabulary will increase throughout your life. Into your late-sixties, most cognitive skills rely on things you have already learned, so-called crystallized intelligence, and they increase and are pretty resilient. The speed with which you can do things, however, can decline, he writes. Consensus. Is there scientific evidence for emotional intelligence? While general intelligence is well understood, some psychologists have argued for the existence of emotional intelligence. One online dictionary defines it as the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions, and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. In other words, how good are you at reading others' emotions and moderating your own emotions accordingly to get a desired response? Matter of fact, experts were mostly in agreement that emotional intelligence exists, though still in need of further study. Emotional intelligence is hard to measure, writes Andrew Lane, an expert from University of Wolverhampton. Can people report on their inner knowledge? If you have poor emotional intelligence, you won't know how good you are, but might recognize that being good in emotional intelligence is desirable, because questionnaires are relatively easy to guess what is being assessed. Right. Some scientists have attempted to study whether higher emotional intelligence results in any measurable impact to quality of life. My research found that increased emotional intelligence has a beneficial effect in terms of current depression status, writes Sandra Lloyd, an expert from North Central University. The study indicated that for every one-point increase in the EQ, or emotional intelligence quotient, the risk of depression decreased by 5%. This is a highly significant result, as this provides clear evidence that emotional intelligence and depression are strongly related to the older adult population. A crucial flaw with many of these studies, however, is that they rely too heavily on subjective data. A huge amount of research just used self-report questionnaires and correlated them to other attributes like depression, life success, etc. But it did not focus on the nature of emotional intelligence, writes Heinek Sigler, an expert from Maisk University. Quick answers. Is it possible to boost your intelligence by training? Education, yes. Brain games, no. Is intelligence negatively correlated with religious belief? It seems so, but that doesn't imply causation. Are smart people more liberal? Apparently. Does music make kids smarter? Smarter kids tend to take music lessons, but the evidence for the other causal direction is extremely weak. Are IQ levels in decline? Maybe. Top answer. On average, do men and women differ cognitively? Unlikely, writes Michael Thomas, a neuroscientist from Burbeck, University of London. Boys and girls don't differ on mathematical skill. Yet these days, it is widely recognized that women have much lower representation in science, technology, engineering, and maths, or STEM occupations. This tells us cultural differences are at work. Any two groups of adults are going to differ if they have different levels of training on some activity. But the differences in cognitive abilities between the genders in children are very small. And when found, they are often not replicated in other studies. One scientist analyzed data from around 7 million people looking at gender differences across a range of activities from talking to throwing. This study was in 2005. She found that over three quarters of the studies showed gender differences to be small or almost absent. Even where small differences are found, 
found, the much more salient pattern is of great overlap between the distributions of performance. That is, any individual boy will probably do better than lots of girls, and any individual girl will probably do better than lots of boys. So while there may be some differences between how girls and boys think, those differences are smaller than once thought, and much smaller than the amount of overlap between boys and girls. The takeaways. 1. IQ tests are one way to measure intelligence. In general, they're fairly accurate, predicting certain outcomes like grades and general success in life. 2. Genes play a big role in determining your intelligence, from 50 to 80% in the latter part of your life. 3. But genes aren't determinative. Education and environment is still critical for children. 4. Brain games don't boost your intelligence. 5. Creativity declines from middle age, around the age of 40. But your general knowledge and vocabulary will likely increase over your life. That's good because I just turned 43. 6. Emotional intelligence is important. It's difficult to test for, but certain people are better at reading others' emotions. Thanks for listening. My name is Ben McNeil, and always remember, may the facts be with you.